Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Um, please turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, and we are going to look at verse 12 all the way through to verse 14. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 to verse 14. Right, so it reads, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Uh, brothers and sisters, let's ask for God's help. Father, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have spoken. We thank you that you are in charge, that you are in control. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for this hope. And we pray as we study your word this morning that we would hear it clearly. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brethren, the title of my sermon is Redemption Explained. Redemption Explained. The need for every generation is regeneration. The temptation of every generation is to modify the gospel. J.C. Ryle says this, he says, if you substitute anything for Jesus Christ, the gospel is totally spoiled. If you add anything to Christ, then the gospel ceases to be a pure gospel. If you put anything or any person between Jesus Christ, that person will neglect Christ for that very thing. You spoil the proportions of Christ's gospel and you spoil its effectiveness. Evangelical religion must be the gospel, the whole gospel, and nothing but the gospel. Brothers and sisters, the greatest need for every church is preachers who will not compromise on the gospel. And the greatest need for every church is a congregation who will want the gospel and nothing else but the gospel. Paul writes to the church in Colossae. In, in this passage that we've just read here, we see that Paul is concerned that there is a heresy going around. There's a group of people in the church who say, yes, yes, we do accept Jesus, but there's this other extra that you need to add. There is this other supplement. There is this other thing that you need to experience. Yes, Jesus has done all of that, but you need to supplement him with this particular experience. There is this other dimension that you need to unlock. And in essence, these people are saying, Jesus is not enough. So Paul takes this head on, and he writes a letter to this church, and he writes to them to convince them about two major themes. The first one, that the gospel is enough. And second, that Jesus is supreme in all things. 
These are two major themes that the Apostle Paul wants to press as he writes to this church. The gospel is enough. And second, Jesus is supreme in all things. Brothers and sisters, these are two truths that we need to preach to ourselves daily. The gospel is enough and Jesus is supreme in all things. And for time together, I want to take that first theme that the Apostle Paul takes, the gospel is enough. And I've titled my sermon, Redemption Explained. Brothers and sisters, I want us to see five aspects of redemption that should keep us immovable and that should spare us on into a life of thankfulness. So redemption is like this diamond that when you look at it in one aspect, you see some glorious truths that you should enjoy. And you see other aspects, you see this glorious truth about what God has done, what God has accomplished, about how beautiful, how wonderful, how glorious this gospel truth is. And I want us to look at these five aspects of redemption for our strength so that we are not moved, and also for our thankfulness. And so here, these five aspects, we, we are going to look at the meaning of redemption. We'll look at the absolute necessity of redemption. We'll look at the source of redemption, the means of redemption, and the outcomes of redemption. So look with me in your Bible, Colossians chapter 1. Let's read again verse 12 to verse 14. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's, let's take our first aspect, the meaning of redemption. What does redemption mean? Redemption means to buy back at a cost. It means to deliver by payment of a ransom. It means to, to let someone lose. You see, this, this meaning is, is seen in the definition of redemption. motu. To buy back. To buy back. To release. It is release by means of a transaction. That is to redeem. To, to buy freedom. To provide emancipation. That's redemption. A special intervention of God for the salvation of mankind at the cost of his son, Jesus Christ. Redemption. A special intervention of God for the salvation of mankind at the cost of his son, Jesus Christ. This is the meaning of redemption. And second, let's see the absolute necessity of redemption. Look at our passage in verse 13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us 
to the kingdom of his beloved son. Now, brothers and sisters, if redemption means loosening, if redemption means release, if it means to buy freedom, to emancipate, then it implies that that anyone who needs redemption is enslaved, is in bondage, is dominated, is imprisoned. This is what this passage is saying. This passage implies emphatically that all men are in the domain of darkness. That all men need redemption. All men need deliverance from slavery. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. You see, brothers and sisters, the gospel is not mere advice. The gospel is not a suggestion. But the gospel is a proclamation that starts with the bad news that all men are guilty before God. Mankind is in the domain of darkness. That's verse 13. The gospel is a proclamation that all men are guilty. This means that all men are enslaved to sin. Man in his natural state is a sinner who is opposed to God. The Bible tells us man is a hater of God. Men and women detest God. They are repulsed by God. Man, apart from the intervention of God, has affections that are godless. His thoughts are vile. His actions are wicked. Psalm 51 verse 5, it says, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin that my mother conceived me. Mankind is dominated by sin. He delights in despising God. He finds pleasure in lawlessness. Man is depraved and in the domain of darkness. That's what Colossians 1 verse 13 tells us. Titus 1.15 describes men this way. It says, they are defiled and unbelieving. Nothing is pure about them. Both their minds and their consciences are defiled. Ephesians 4.18, they are darkened in their understanding. Alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Psalm 14 tells us this, that the Lord looks down from heaven and he looks on the children of men to see if there's any who understand and any who seek after God. And what does God see? This psalm doesn't leave us clueless. It says, this is what God sees. They have all turned aside together. They have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. This is God's verdict on the condition of man in sin. Calvin says, we are so entirely controlled by the power of sin that the whole mind, the whole heart, and all our actions are under its influence. You see, brothers and sisters, the Bible tells us collectively that sinners are those who challenge the justice of God are those who undermine the mercy of God, who jeer the patience of God, who mock his power, who ridicule his love, who scoff at his promise, and who undermine his wisdom. The condition 
of man apart from the intervention of God. Charles Spurgeon, that great Baptist preacher says, the poison of sin is the very foundation of our being. It has poisoned our heart. It is in the very marrow of our bones and is as natural to us as anything that belongs to us. We are sinners through and through. Man is entirely corrupted by sin and is incapable of pleasing God. Man is in the domain of darkness. God is holy. God is pure. God is a lawgiver. God is just. And God will not tolerate rebellion. God is just. He must punish sin. He will not just ignore sin. And the anger of God is towards sinners. Man is liable to the wrath of God and the punishment of God. See what the Bible says about the anger of God towards sinners. The anger of God towards those who are in the domain of darkness. Psalm 76 verse 7 says, But you, you are to be feared. Who can stand before you when once your anger is roused? Psalm 90 verse 7, for we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath, we are dismayed. Second Thessalonians 1 verse 9, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction, away from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of his might. The wrath of God is terrible. The wrath of God inspires dread. The wrath of God brings pain. The wrath of God brings punishment. The wrath of God brings destruction. And the wrath of God is eternal towards sinners. Man is enslaved to sin, liable to the punishment of God. And man needs a redeemer. Who can save mankind? This brings us to our third aspect of redemption. How can man be reconciled to God? Let's see our third aspect of redemption, the source of redemption. Colossians 1 verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God, the father, is the source of our redemption. That is what verse 12 says explicitly and that is what verse 13 says implicitly. Giving thanks to the father who has qualified you to share the inheritance. Look at verse 13. You can also read it this way. The Father has delivered us from the domain of darkness. God, the Father, is the source of our redemption. God, the Father, is the initiator of our redemption. He's the qualifier of our redemption. He is the commissioner of our redemption. And he is the cause of our redemption. You see, brethren, it's not a small thing to say that God is the source of redemption. See, brothers and sisters, God is immortal. God is invisible. God is only wise. God is most blessed, most glorious. He's the ancient of days. He's almighty. 
and all victorious. God is the great father of glory. He's the pure father of light. He's adored by angels. He's all sufficient. He's perfect and he's lacking in nothing. And yet God stoops so low to redeem and intervene for sinful men and women like me and you. David knew God this way. Psalm 19 verse 14. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 130 verse 7. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is plentiful redemption. Isaiah knew God as a redeemer. In Isaiah 41 14 says, Fear not, you worm, Jacob, you men of Israel. I'm the one who helps you, declares the Lord, your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Moses and the Israelites knew God this way. Exodus chapter 6, I am the Lord and I will bring you out of under the burden of the heat of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from slavery to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. Now, why? Why did God redeem men and women? How can God do this? First, it's because of love. First John chapter 4, 9 to 10. In this is love. The love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Know that not that we have loved God, but that... He loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, the wrath absorber for our sins. Romans 5 verse 8, but God shows his love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Isaiah 54 verse 10, for the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you and my covenant peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you and now brethren if God the father is the source of our redemption is the initiator of our redemption is the cause of our redemption the commissioner of our redemption and the qualifier of our redemption purely because of love why doubt why doubt oh believer why fear why add anything else to this? Rest. Trust. Ahim puts it this way. Not the labor of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my fears forever flow? All could never sin erase. Thou must save and save by grace nothing in my hands i bring simply to thy cross i cling naked come to thee for dress helpless look to thee for grace foul i to the fountain fly wash me savior or i die and brothers and sisters we have seen the meaning of redemption we have seen the absolute necessity of redemption we have seen the source of our redemption and now let's turn to another glorious aspect of redemption the means of redemption how did god redeem his people look at colossians chapter 1 verse 13 
He has redeemed us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Let's pay attention to verse 14, in whom we have redemption. This is in in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 14. You can translate it again this way. In Jesus Christ, we have redemption. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. At the end, it says, by the blood of the cross. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, actually brings this verse in concise format. It says, in Jesus Christ, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. See, we have redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. This is, this is the means of our redemption. This is how God redeemed, redeems us, through the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and you might ask, why so much talk about the blood? Hebrews 9.22, it tells us this, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Without the blood, without a sacrifice, without a substitute, without the punishment, without the pouring out of the wrath of God, there can be no forgiveness. Hebrews 9 verse 12, it tells us this about Jesus Christ. It says, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by the means of blood of goats and cows, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. First Peter chapter 1 verse 18 to 19, you were ransomed. Or you can say you were redeemed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. Not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. We are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And Jesus declares this as the whole meaning and purpose of his coming. He says, Mark 10, 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be saved, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And as the hymn puts it, Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God. Who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a savior. Bearing shame and scoffing rude. In my place, condemned, he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a savior. Brethren, my calling is to preach this truth. And the calling of everyone who has been redeemed is to preach this truth faithfully and completely our calling is to preach the meaning of redemption the absolute necessity of redemption the source of redemption and the means of redemption 
That is our call here as a church to proclaim that Jesus bought back the freedom of sinners. He paid the ransom. He released us from slavery. It is our call to proclaim that Jesus conquered Satan. He conquered sin. He absorbed the wrath of God. He conquered death. He conquered hell. And he brings peace, the shalom of God amongst those who will trust in him and depend upon his finished and complete work. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Finally, let us see this magnificent aspect of our redemption, the accomplishments of redemption, the blessings of redemption, the accomplishments of redemption. Turn, look at your passage, Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the domain of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Now, what are the blessings of our redemption? Let's start with this blessing that is listed last in these passages, forgiveness. Forgiveness. Verse 14, it says, In Jesus Christ we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. This is the wiping away of sin. Psalm 103, verse 12 tells us, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions, our sins from us. Forgiveness of sin. And let's also see another blessing, inheritance and sonship. This is from verse 12 to verse 13. Inheritance and sonship. It says here, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the domain of darkness. And where did he transfer us? Into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. And this is the blessing that we get inheritance and sonship. This means that God takes those who are not his people and he makes them his people. God takes those who are enemies and he takes them as sons and daughters. God takes those who are spiritual orphans and he makes them his favored ones. God takes the objects of wrath and he makes them recipients of privilege, recipients of care, recipients of nourishment, and recipients of security. God takes those who deserve hell and he makes them benefactors of new hearts and a promise of resurrected bodies. And God takes those who deserved an eternity separate from him and he gives them eternal life and joy in his presence. Believers who are united to Christ in his resurrection enjoy the full bounty and benefits 
they receive the extensive and the impressive spiritual blessings that are attained by Jesus Christ. See, another benefit that we receive is security. You see, we are in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. He is our king. He vows and protect, he, he vows to protect us, and no one can snatch us from his hand. And this is redemption. And what is our response? What is our response? Give thanks. That's that's how verse 12 begins. Give thanks. Give thanks, trust, fight doubts, and rest. And let redemption be your theme. Tell others about redemption. What a glorious salvation. Man of sorrows, what a name. Hallelujah, what a savior. Guilty, vile, and helpless we. Spotless lamb of God was he. Full redemption can it be. Hallelujah, what a savior. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for redemption. Thank you that we are redeemed by the blood of the lamb. We thank you that you looked upon us with love while we were sinners, while we were estranged, while we were in the domain of darkness. You rescued us and you transferred us in the kingdom of your beloved son. We pray that redemption would be our theme, that redemption would be our song, that redemption would be our anchor. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.